Hey, New City, I'm Tammy. And I'm Nick. And we are so glad to be together as a body of believers. It's going to be a great day of worship. And if it's your first Sunday joining us, we want to send you a special welcome and thank you so much for being here. Um, and if you want to find out more about New City, you can go to our website, newcity.us. Um, also, we want to connect with you. And one of the one of the ways that you can do that is you can go to newcity.us slash connect. Um, you can fill out the easy form there and one of us will be be so uh, quick to, to respond to you. You could also text the number that you see at the bottom of the screen. That message will go right to Ron Dasher, our online pastor, and he'd love to talk with you, answer any questions you would have, pray with you even. And so anyway, this is gonna be a great day. Thank you for being here. Mm -hmm. And we have a special project that we wanna tell you about. It's our Christmas Promise Shop. This is a partnership with Urban Promise. We're gonna be creating two Christmas stores for over 100 families who need just a little bit of help this Christmas with providing gifts for their children. We love this project so much. We need a lot of gifts to make it a success. So go to newcity.us slash promise shop to get all the details. This Wednesday at our South Park location, we're having a gift drop off. You can come between 4 to 6 p.m., bring your new unwrapped gifts. Now, if that doesn't work for you, no worries. We also have an Amazon wish list so you can shop online and have those gifts delivered directly. Isn't it crazy how quickly the holiday season is coming? Uh, Tammy, do you have Christmas decorations up already? Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, listen, one of the, one of the resources that we wanted to tell you that we, about that we've created is we've created an Advent guide uh, for you, for your family. Um, and so we want you to know about that. So as you start thinking about Christmas season, we'd love for you to be able to build in moments that you can have with your family to help prepare our hearts, their hearts, uh, for all that Christmas is and, and is about. And so and so that Advent guide is, is digital. Uh, you can share it easy. And you can find that guide at christmasatnewcity.us. Also at that website, you'll be able to find all of our Christmas Eve services for all of our locations. We'd love for you to, to, to know about that plan ahead and we'd love to see you see you at in any of those and if you'd like to give today if you'd like to give offering you can do that through our website newcity.us give we've started using a new giving system called PushPay. and if you are set up on recurring giving make sure to check your email we have an email with some instructions on how to use that new system and you can even give through text and we want to thank you guys so much for your generosity and your partnership in the gospel and now we'd love for you to join Joel and his team for worship. Welcome to New City Online. My name is Joel. If y'all would sing along and worship with us this morning, just cry out to God and pray today as you sing. And Father of kindness, you have poured out grace. You brought me from the darkness. You have filled me with peace. Yeah. 
on, can you trust in God today? Look in the past right now and when has he ever failed you? So why would you expect him to fail you now? I don't know what you're going through today, but I just, I pray that you trust him. Let whatever you're going through right now, whatever you're struggling with right now, come to your mind and just then after that, remember how God has always been faithful to you, how he will never forsake you and trust and pray that God will get you through this. We have an awesome God. Come on, let's keep singing this. And I will rest in your promises. My confidence is your faithfulness. And I will rest in your promises. My confidence is your faithfulness. Is the place 
God, I pray that you give everyone that just heard that song and sang along to that song peace about whatever they're going through. Give them peace to know that you will meet them and the best is yet to come, God. Give us ears to hear your voice during this message and I pray that you anoint this time with you, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. There was a man who prayed the same prayer every single day. He would, he would pray this, literally. He would say, Lord, would you remove all the cobwebs from my life? Would you remove all the cobwebs from my life? And he would, he would pray that every single day, uh, whether it was privately or with his friends. And one day he was praying that same prayer, Lord, would you remove the cobwebs from my life? And one of his friends interjected in that same prayer that he prayed and said, and Lord, while you're at it, would you kill the spider? You know, God isn't just interested in all of our behaviors. Actually, God is a lot more interested in our hearts and our beliefs, what's happening on the inside that might be causing our behavior. So it's, it's not just the cobwebs, it's, it's the spider. And so we've been in this study on the book of Nehemiah and we're gonna continue that today. And as we've journeyed through, what we've seen is that God is equally concerned about not just our outside and our behaviors, but, but even more importantly, our inside and what's happening in our hearts. And so the first half of Nehemiah, chapters one through six, we entitled Rebuilding, because it was all about Nehemiah and this group of people rebuilding the walls around Jerusalem. And that was incredible, just these only God moments and miracles that happened with the rebuilding of the walls and protecting the people. But then the second half of the book, chapters seven through 13 in Nehemiah are all about this thing called renewal this awakening of people's hearts on the inside, this, this deeper work that God wanted to do. And what we see is that God is even more concerned, with, not just with the, the physical walls, but he's even more concerned with the, 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 the hearts of his people, with what's happening on the inside and making his people, his people again, renewing their hearts. And so this question was asked last week by Pastor Rodney, and I love this as we walk through Nehemiah chapter nine. He said, how has God's word changed you? Just a really simple question that stuck with me all throughout the week. Maybe it did with you too. How has God's word, how has God's truth changed you? And you know, God's truth, God's, God's word is always about working inside of me and then that working its way through me to my actions. Because if not, it really just becomes like I, I put on this spiritual veneer or I can do uh, these things on the outside, but it really doesn't reflect my heart. And God's so much more concerned as we've seen in our journey through Nehemiah about what's going on the inside of my heart. And so Rodney asked us, you know, how has God's word, how has his truth changed you? And, and I thought about that. And here's, here's my truthful answer, right? Is oftentimes I wanna change God's truth. I wanna change God's word to me. I wanna, I wanna change God himself if I'm honest with you. And so sometimes I spend my time and with God trying to negotiate and trying to kind of conform him into my image. I don't know if I'm alone in this. Maybe, maybe you struggle with this too, of like, I want God to be like me. I want him to pull for the same teams that I pull for. I want him to vote the way that I vote. I want him to run the world that I think of the, the way that it should be run. And so the truth is, as I wrestle with that question, how has God's truth changed me? I came to this thing of, man, sometimes I'm trying to change God's truth. 
I'm trying to negotiate. It's like, you remember like with your parents, like you would try to negotiate and you would try to get to them and change them and kind of work them off of each other. Like, like the FBI should come to our house and, and take notes of how our kids try to negotiate with us and try to, try to conform us into their will. And the truth is that oftentimes we can do the same thing with God. But what God wants, what God really wants is for us to hear his voice and his truth, to come to his word, and to place ourselves underneath it and to be changed by him from the inside out. And that's the story of what's happening with God's people in the book of Nehemiah is them understanding that actually we don't change God, but God changes us. And the truth is this, we don't even change ourselves. We allow God to change us. Oftentimes we think we change ourselves with our feelings or um, just by the way that we're, we're listening to ourselves or whatever. But the truth is that God changes us as we listen to his word. So, so I thought about this this week. What if, what if we stopped listening to our feelings and we started talking to ourselves with God's truth? Again, back to, to Pastor Rodney's question, how has God's word, how has his truth changed you? Well, it's not so much about us listening to our feelings, which change by the moment, right? It's about us listening to God's truth in the moment and allowing his truth to change us and our feelings moment by moment. We are always the ones, everybody watch this. We are always the ones that are changed in the relationship with God. God doesn't change. He's the same yesterday. He's the same right now today. He's gonna be the same tomorrow and forever. So it's us, it, we change when we place ourselves under God's truth. And it's not just listening to our feelings. If I listen to my feelings, I'm gonna think differently about God and other people by the moment. It's, it's actually talking to ourselves and allowing God to talk to us with his truth. And that's what we see the people of God beginning to do in the book of Nehemiah. Where we left off last week was at the end of chapter nine. So if you have a copy of the scriptures, wherever you are, I wanna encourage you to, to open up to Nehemiah chapter nine, and we're gonna look at the very last verse. In fact, I wanna look at the first four words there in verse 39. It says, because of all this, this is where we left off last week, because of all this, which begs the question, right? What is all of this? Well, all of this is referring back to chapter nine and even further back all the way to the beginning of the book. Because of all of this, because of the story behind us that has led to this moment, and even in your own life, because of your story, every day that you've lived so far that has led you to this day, because of all this, the people are getting ready to say something really important. And really what they're, what they're saying in summary is, God, we are reminding ourselves because of all this of who you are and what you've done, but not just that, but also of who we are and what we've done. We're reminding ourselves of who you are and what you've done and who we are and what we've done. And they go, if you look at chapter nine, they go all the way back to creation, all the way back to the beginning. God, you created the heavens and the earth. You formed us. You called Abraham. We were in Egypt in, in slavery. You brought us out of that. You brought us through the wilderness. Then we, we were disobedient to you. Then we went into exile. And they basically tell the whole story of God and, and the community of God's people all the way up until this day. And that leads us into chapter 10. It's a, it's a summation of everything that God has done. 
And before I move into chapter 10 today, I, I, I wanna highlight a word that is used in chapter nine that I think is really, really important. It's a Hebrew word. So we're all gonna learn a Hebrew word together today. And the word is hesed, hesed. And it's found in chapter nine and it's found all throughout the Hebrew Testament. And the word simply means the steadfast love of God, his loving kindness, the, the unchanging, remember, because God doesn't change, he's the same yesterday, today and forever. His unchanging love for you and for me. And so maybe chapter nine, as we, as we kind of roll into chapter 10 today, can be summarized in this one verse, chapter nine, verse 17. It's recorded here in Nehemiah. It says, they refused to obey. Who's they? All the people of God. They refused to obey. They were not mindful of the wonders that you performed among them, but they stiffened their neck and appointed a leader to return to their slavery in Egypt. But you, listen to this, but you, God, are ready to forgive. You're gracious, you're merciful, you're slow to anger. Aren't you glad for that? And you're abounding in, and here's our word, hesed, you're abounding in steadfast love. So you didn't forsake them. In other words, they're bouncing all over the place, just like us with their feelings. One minute they're happy, one minute they're sad, one minute they wanna follow God, one minute they wanna return to their slavery. Do Do you relate to that? And the constant in their lives that doesn't change is God and his truth to them. And so they're reminding themselves of this in chapter nine that we've been in this dance, God, and maybe you feel like you're in a dance with God, this, this commitment and this recommitment, then I fall away, then I recommit myself and I'm, I'm back and I'm, I'm, I'm forth and, and, and yet you remain the same, God. You're always the same. I, I wax and I wane, but you, you are steadfast in your love of your, and your grace and your mercy towards me. I love this quote, Alexander White said this, and maybe this just kind of summarizes what they're saying in chapter nine, and maybe, maybe even our cry today, right? He said, the victorious Christian life, don't you want that? To be a victorious Christian, to, to be devoted to God and to live that out in every area of your life. The victorious Christian life, he said, is a series of new beginnings. I love that. The victorious life is a series of new beginnings. You know, the name of our church is, is New City Church. And, and the new is what he's describing, this new life of Jesus that's only offered by him. You know, everything else in our lives will one day get old. The car you drive, the clothes you wear, everything else will get old. The only thing that will remain new is the new life of Jesus. And so he says, you know, life is like a victorious Christian life isn't just a one-time thing. It's a, it's a constant re- renewing. It's a constant starting again of this, this new commitment, this new journey with God that, that he's doing in my heart. So I, I just, I love that word, this new beginning that God wants to do. And it's us, God's people, right? It's God's people. We are the ones that are constantly returning and coming back to God's truth to renew our commitment to him, our devotion to him, and to commit to living differently. Let me just say one more thing about this before we jump into 10. You know, God didn't just, you know, for those of you who are Christ followers, he, he didn't just save you from something, you know, separation from, from him forever in this real place called hell. He didn't just save you from something, although that's true. But God saved you for something, so, so our, our, our faith in Jesus isn't just like life insurance, you know? 
It's, it's not just like, man, I, it, it beats the alternative and God saved me from something. Yes, that's true. And we should rejoice in that. But here's just some good news today from God's truth. God saved you for something, for a specific purpose and reason, and, and, and more broadly for a life with him. You know, Jesus said, I came that you might have what? A bunch more rules to follow? No, I came that you might have life and you might have it to the fullness, that you could be your true self as a son or daughter of the most high King, fully alive. Your true self as God made you in relationship with him, fully alive. That's why Jesus came, not just to save you from something, but to save you for something. And even though the people here in Nehemiah are looking forward to Jesus, they're 450 years before the time of Jesus, we see Jesus here in Nehemiah. And they're longing for a God that is steadfast in his love and his grace and his mercy. And ultimately, Jesus was the fulfillment of this Hesed love that God has for us. This unchanging love that would, would go even to the point of giving his own son that we could have a right relationship and have something, this thing called life and life to the fullness. So we're going to talk about this word devotion today as we jump into chapter 10. But here's, I want to say this up front, okay? that our devotion to God, that which is the way we live our lives, the way we act and worship, is never about getting God to love us more. Our devotion is never about saying, God, look at me. God, would you, would you just love me a little bit more? No, our devotion is always a reflection of the unchanging love of God. And us returning again and again and again, because life for a victorious Christian is a series of new beginnings, falling in love again and coming to understand the grace of God again and again and again. It's preaching the gospel to ourselves every single day and being reminded every single day of God's steadfast, hesed love for us. And then our response to that is our devotion to him. And so chapter nine is like one of the longest prayers in the Bible as they, they come to this place of dedication and putting themselves back under God's truth and saying, God, you didn't change, we changed and we've been in this dance back and forth. And then chapter 10, as we enter into it today in the book of Nehemiah is the way they choose to live out their prayer in chapter nine. Because, because devotion, devotion is always an evidence of our dedication so, so another way to say it today is that chapter 10 is an evidence of chapter nine. The prayer that is prayed in chapter nine, which is beautiful, it is captured in chapter 10 and them saying, we're gonna, we're gonna live it out, this life after amen. After we say amen in this prayer of dedication, our devotion is gonna show you that, that we really mean it, that we, that we really, really meant the prayer that we prayed of dedication to you. And it's gonna show other people, by the way, how, how dedicated we are to this one true God that never changes and loves us with this Hesed kind of love. So let's jump in. Life after amen. Nehemiah chapter 10, are you there? All right, Nehemiah chapter 10. So just for context, the first 27 verses are a list of names and you're like, oh boy. But here's the thing. They're all important because these are all the people in chapter nine that are praying this prayer of dedication. And I want you to look with me in verse one. Who's the first name that's mentioned in Nehemiah chapter 10, verse one? Our guy, Nehemiah. He leads the way. And all throughout, we've been saying Nehemiah, he's not a perfect person by any means, none of us are, but he's a great example of a godly leader. 
And he's leading here by putting his name first and saying, hey, life after amen, it's gonna begin with me and the way that I'm devoted to God and I live my life. And then if you look at verses two through eight, there's 21 priestly families that are mentioned, these people that led with Nehemiah and cared for the spiritual well-being of the people. There's 17 Levites that again are, are uh, helpers of Nehemiah and helping to lead and Ezra and, and, and taking care of the spiritual uh, well-being of the people. There's 44 heads of leading families in the community that are mentioned in verses 14 through 27. So he's, he's including all the people and the other, other leaders. And I love this about Nehemiah that it's not just one name mentioned, right? It's all these other names and all these other leaders that he has appointed and put into positions to provide leadership for the community. And then he includes, look at verse 28, Nehemiah 10. All the rest of the faithful people, you know, all means all, and that's all, all means. That's everybody is included in this. We're, we're making this dedication. And again, here's our devotion. Here's how we're going to live it out. That's what chapter 10 is all about. And then look at verse 29, a really curious phrase that's used here. It says, we're going to enter into a curse and an oath. Nehemiah 10, verse 29. That's a colloquialism that was used by the people of God to say, this is serious business. This curse and oath language, we're taking this really seriously. In other words, our devotion, the way we're gonna act this out, the way we're gonna behave and live this out is gonna show that we really mean it, that this dedication was for real, this act of worship uh, on behalf of God to show our dedication. So it's like this, um, here's the way I wanna frame it today. It's like this uh, devotion dashboard. So if you're taking notes, maybe just put devotion dashboard. And if you're an artist, you can even draw a dashboard if you want to. I'm not, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't try that. But if you're looking at your dashboard in your car, you have these gauges. And they're, they're never all fully over, right? But they're, they're indicating something really important. And, and basically what chapter 10 is all about, again, it's a response to nine, the, this prayer of dedication. And now 10 is this life of devotion, and remember, devotion is, is always an evidence of dedication in our lives. And so chapter 10 becomes this dashboard of devotion. And there's basically four gauges that they put here, these four devotions that, that they're committing themselves to in living out this prayer that they're praying in chapter nine and living out in chapter 10. So here's the first one, okay? Follow along with me here, chapter 10. Verse 29, they devoted themselves to God's word. They devoted themselves to God's word. So after they use that language of a curse and an oath, that serious thing of, hey, this is for real. We, we mean it. We're gonna live this out. We're gonna, we're gonna make this, um, this, this, um, this devotion to you, God. Here's how we're gonna live it out. They say, we're gonna observe and do all the commandments of the Lord, our God, and follow his rules and statutes. Um, so statutes. So, so the, basically what they're saying is everything that you've given to us, God, and your, your truth, which at that point would have been the Torah, the first five books that we have of the Hebrew Testament, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. We're, every word of it, we're gonna try to live out, okay? Did they always get that right? Of course not. But again, they're, they're saying the, the, our devotion to you, the way we wanna live out our prayer of dedication is, to, is to, vo to devote ourselves to your word, God, even more than our feelings, especially more than our feelings, we're gonna devote ourselves to you. And what a great pr prayer for us, right? What a, a great gauge on our dashboard. How devoted am I today, okay? How devoted am I, am, am I right now to God's truth and his word? Or, or do I have a way to read it? Am I engaging it? Am I, am I listening to it like you are today on a regular basis? How am I putting myself under God's truth? 
You know, it reminds me of the parable of the sower, one of my favorite parables in Mark chapter four, where Jesus talks about seed being sown all along different um, types of soil. And he says the seed that fell on good soil, right? It was listened to, it was accepted, and then it, it bore much fruit. 30, 60, and 100 times. So it's multiplicative. You know, God's truth in my heart as I receive it, as I hear it, it, it bears out in my behaviors. And I love that because that's what we're talking about today, right? That, that God's truth gets inside of my heart and then the evidence is how I'm devoted in my living. And so what Jesus is saying is, as God's truth is listened to, as I put myself under it and I devote myself to it, and I accept it, right, as truth, even more than my feelings and my emotions, then it bears fruit in my life, the way I speak, the way I behave as a dad, as a husband, as a friend, as a brother, et cetera, et cetera, and for your life. That, that's the power of devoting ourselves to God's truth. That's the first devotion on the devotion dashboard. Then they, they devote themselves to purity. You say, well, where are you getting that from? Well, look at verse 30. Uh, he, he, he says, you know, we're gonna, we're gonna not give our daughters to people's, um, of the land and we're not gonna take their, their, their daughters for our sons. So in other words, they're talking about intermarrying, which goes all the way back to the Torah, committing themselves to God's word. And this wasn't about not being friends with them or doing business with them or relating to them. To the contrary, it was about not giving their hearts to people who aren't devoted to the same truth, to the same one true God as we are. And this is sort of what Paul says, you know, don't, don't be conformed to this world, but what? Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You know, God's truth coming into my mind. So it's not about separating ourselves from all other people who don't believe like me or think like me. That's a lot of that is going on in our world and that's not what this is saying. But what it is saying is I'm not going to give my heart, right? I'm not gonna give my heart to someone who doesn't believe in the same truth that I believe in. I'm not gonna do that. Richard Niebuhr in his, in his book, uh, Christ in Culture, said this just really quickly. He said, you know, as Christians, as believers of, of Jesus, as followers of Christ, we're not meant to live like above culture and just lord over it and, and throw rocks at it and point our fingers and judge it. And sometimes we can do that. We can be so heavenly minded that we're, we're what? We're no earthly good, right? We're, we're just so up here and we're looking down on culture and, and people feel judged by us. But then sometimes like Niebuhr said, like we can feel like we're under culture, like we're, we're subjugated to culture. And I don't know about you, but even right now, like some of us might feel like we're just like our hearts just ebb and flow based on the headlines in the newspaper or on our phones or whatever. Like we're just, we're like, we're, we're just byproducts of what's going on in the culture. And that's not what God wants for us. And then he's, he went on to say like, and it's not just about being in or around other cultures. It's not, it's not just about existing or coexisting with each other. I love what Niebuhr said. He said, no, it's Christ transforming culture. It's not over, it's not under, it's not just in. It's Christ transforming culture. The way we live our lives, our de the devotions of our, of our heart. And so what, what Nehemiah and the people are praying is we're gonna devote ourselves to purity and to God's truth and to making sure that we're not, we're not intermingling with, with people who don't share our truth in our hearts. It doesn't mean we're not living with them. In fact, later on the passage is talking about doing business and relating to people. It's not that at all. It's about, hey, we're gonna be the transforming agent in the culture. We're gonna be the ones to take truth to other people, which is, wouldn't you agree, such a great prayer for us today. We're not over, we're not under, we're not just in. We are engaged and we are transforming culture as Christ followers. Here's the third devotion on the dashboard. They devoted themselves to keeping the Sabbath, this day that was separated for, uh, for rest. 
And ever since the creation narrative, we see God himself resting and modeling for us a day of rest once a week. So if you look at verse 31, they commit themselves, hey, we're not gonna do business with other people. We're not gonna trade grain. We're not gonna, we're not gonna just treat it like any other day. We're going to rest. And here's a, just such a, du- a direct application for each of us as we think about our own devotion dashboards and how we're living out our dedication and our faith to God today. Are, are, are we resting are we, are we trusting God that he's in control? When I, when I practice Sabbath, when I practice a day of the week, one day every seven days, I'm modeling not what, what God modeled for us, but I'm also modeling that I trust God. I'm, I'm speaking to myself and to other people around me that God's in control. And I'm reminding myself, which I, I don't know about you, but for me, I have to remind myself often of how small I really am. You know, even in this season, the last, you know, eight months, it's reminded all of us of how small we really are, how, how very little control we really have. And if we feel like we're in control, it really is an illusion. When I practice Sabbath, I'm reminding myself and my heart and the people around me that God is the one that's in control, that the whole world really is in his hands and I can rest in that. That's what the people are saying. Here's the fourth and final devotion is they devoted themselves to God's work. And in verses 32 through 39, as the chapter ends here in chapter 10, they're saying, we're not gonna neglect God's work. In fact, verse 39, the very last sentence, it says, we will not neglect the house of our God, which for them was the the temple. It was the centerpiece of their everyday lives, the very work of God. We're not gonna neglect it. So we're gonna give to it. We're gonna lead in it. We're gonna contribute to it. We're gonna make sure that first things are first and that God's work is being accomplished. We're gonna devote ourselves to it. And other people will be able to look at our lives and know that we mean the prayer that we prayed in chapter nine by the way that we're living out in our devotion to God. Let me close by just, just saying this, kind of summarizing all of it, okay? And if for some reason you've tuned out or whatever, I want you to come back and, and tune in for just one or two more minutes right here. Because if, if, you, if you read chapter 10, and I hope you will on your own, and if you think about these devotions, these four devotions that they're saying are the evidence of our dedication, really what it all comes down to is saying, God, you're first. God, you are first in our lives. And whenever that gets out of order, when God's not first, nothing else is in order. If God isn't first in our lives, nothing else fits. My marriage isn't operating right. I, I, I'm not the father that God's called me to be. I, I'm, I'm, I'm not the brother. I'm, I'm, I'm not the friend. I'm not the coworker. I'm not the, the leader. None of it works if God isn't first. That's what the people are saying. And they're saying, by the way, and we've tried it. There's been a lot of years where we've tried to, to, to not put you first, God. And they even just confess it, right? And maybe we could too. Just here's all the seasons of my life. Every, because of all this, everything behind me, of all the back and forth and ways that I haven't put God first and it doesn't work. And so chapter 10, the heart of it is just saying, God, you're first. And here's the deal, guys, here's the deal. Again, we're almost done. Here's the deal. If, if, if God isn't enough, if God's not enough for me, if God's not enough for you, if God's not enough for us, nothing ever will be enough. If God's not enough, nothing ever will be. You know, the, the victorious Christian life is a series of new beginnings. We are in constant need, you and I, all of us, we're in constant need of renewal, 
of coming to God and saying, I, I need a new start. I need a new beginning. And here's the, here's, the, here's the wonderful, wonderful news for all of us today is God is waiting for that. He's the God of new beginnings. He's the God of second and third and fourth and fifth and on and on and on chances. Because here's the thing, life after amen, life after our prayer, the way that we live our life is evidenced by our devotion. Our devotion is always an evidence, bottom line, of our dedication, of the way that, that we love God, the way we see God, the way we honor God, the, the, the place that God has put, uh, or the place that we have put God in our lives. And if he's first, and I know that's the, the, the cry of your heart, if he's first, if that's your dedication, it's always our devotion, the way we live, that's an evidence of that. To Christ alone be the glory today. Hey, would you pray with me wherever you are? Let's pray together. God, thanks today um, for your grace. Thank you for second chances and new beginnings. Thanks for your word and just speaking to us today. And I pray that, you know, as we think about seed being sown in our hearts of your truth, that it would take root and, and just bear a lot of fruit as we hear it, as we accept it, as we allow you to, to move and to work. I love the passage in uh, Lamentations chapter three that says, when I call this to mind, I have hope. The steadfast, there's our word today, hesed, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases and his mercies uh, never come to an end. They're new every morning, great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, my soul says, and therefore I'm gonna hope in him. That's, that's our prayer today, God, that your steadfast love for us would cause us to, to, to dedicate our hearts, to renew our hearts again with your truth and to commit ourselves to devoting our lives to you. So give us the wisdom today to know what you're speaking to us from your word and give us the faith now to go and to obey. In the name of Jesus, amen. so good. Thank you so much for worshiping with us today. And wherever you find yourself, wherever the Lord leads you, wherever he guides you this week, uh, we just want you to remember that God's with you. God's strength is there. God's promises are there. God's grace is there. Now, if you would, extend your hands wherever you find yourselves, whether you do this in spirit or, or physically, extend your hands for this, this blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. 
the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Go in peace, New City.